I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero, Mama. A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become a hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. Show. Yeah. My goodness, I am so pumped. Got such an exciting show for you today. Going to be chatting with my friend Jason Van Orden, who uh, is also an extremely successful entrepreneur, having not only made millions, but really mastered a healthy work life balance and lifestyle. And he's going to be sharing how you can be the best version of you. And I'm excited about this because he's got a lot of good stuff to share. And I also have an idea for a little format tweak here to The Real Brian Show, so stick around for that. Let's rock it! Well, I am The Real Brian here. Thank you so much for joining me. It is such a beautiful, sunny day here on The Real Brian Show in the uh, Real Brian Show studios. Uh, you know, I, I need to come up with a better name for that. It's not really the real Brian Show Studios, so maybe the um, I need a name for the studios. Help me out here. Help me out here, seriously. But I mean, it's beautiful out. We we have had some very cold days recently, and uh, it just kicked up, started to get a little warmer. So it's been, a, I think, two days basically. We're going on two days now of some refreshing, warmer, sunny weather. And I right now am enjoying this amazing cup here. It's a rooibos tea. So it's the red tea, you know, for those of you who are like, what's up? What's rooibos? But uh, red tea, it's what they call the marzipan tea. So it's got almond pieces in it. And uh, what else? Papaya, I think, is in it. It's got some, you know, almond and hazelnut nut oils or something. It's really good, though. Very, very good. Good to keep the, uh, you know, the voice moving here as we're rocking the show. So I'm excited. Man, I'm going to be talking with Jason actually a little bit earlier in the show than later. We usually do that a little bit later. But um, And I wanted to talk about this new format idea that I've been thinking about. I've had some incredible feedback, by the way. So I love it. Love it when I can get excellent feedback that is helpful. It's constructive. But it's been neat because, you know, usually the feedback I get is always positive. Now, granted, I appreciate that because I'm sure there are some people who are like, nah, I don't like the show. And that's fine. I haven't heard that. And that's nice. Uh, it's, but it's good to know how I can constructively continue to improve the show. And some of the feedback that was becoming consistent really uh, helped me to come up with an idea that I want to run by you. And I'm going to be doing that towards the end of the show. So stick around for that because I do want your thoughts. Last week, oh my gosh, dang near killed me. It was a bad week. Attitude wise, this was great. So remember last week I was talking about the whole new morning routine. It was incredible. It helped me so much. I was in such a better state. Uh, I haven't actually... Every day so far since, uh, what was it, last Monday, I believe. So it's we're going on a week now, seven days now, where I did not sleep with the phone in the bedroom. And I got up and I did my thing first. And then later, after I, you know, kind of grounded myself and, and started my day off right and that kind of thing, then I checked my phone. And it's been amazing. I love it. Really, really love it. And uh, the whole apple cider vinegar concoction that I was talking about last week, which, by the way, I've had a lot of questions about this, so I'm just going <laughs> to, just in case you're wondering, and I mean a lot of questions, um, let me just say it real quick. So first of all, the the concoction that I'm doing 
is two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar with one tablespoon of honey, which is a lot, I know, but you know, I, I can't do the straight vinegar. So you can do less if you want. Sweeten to taste only. Don't, don't necessarily do a full-on tablespoon. You know, if you like the taste of vinegar, then you don't need that much. Um, anyway, you do this in a cup of hot water. Now, here's something that I, uh, so that's what I've been doing. One thing that somebody did advise me on is that uh, if the water is too hot, it can actually kill all of the good nutrients and, and all that stuff that comes in the apple cider vinegar. So what I've been doing instead is I've been doing, I've been boiling water, letting it cool down just a little bit and then pouring it in with the honey so that the honey can dissolve and then letting, you know, it cool down and until it's lukewarm or whatever, then putting the apple cider vinegar in there so that uh, hopefully I'm not killing all of the good nutrients. But what's been very interesting, first of all, it's not my favorite drink in the world. I got to tell you, if you like apple cider vinegar, then great. If you don't, it's not bad, but it's, <laughs> it's not something that I'd be like, oh man, I can't wait to have this every night that I have consumed it. I have slept better. Now, one thing that I think would be fun to do here on the Real Brian Show someday is to record myself talking in my sleep, basically, because Sarah tells me all about it. Apparently, I've talked less and I've been I've had deeper and more restful sleep. So this is good. And then the next day, you know, I've uh, awakened more refreshed, more energy. And there were two days last in the last seven days. There were two days that I did not drink this concoction. I talked more in my sleep, I was more restless, and I woke up feeling more exhausted. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a totally random chance and just complete coincidence or if this stuff actually is working. I've heard a lot of testimonies from other people saying it works, but it's helped me. So I, hey, I'd be curious to know for, for all of you that have, have written me and asked me what the proportions are, is it working for you? Have you tried it? Have you actually had better sleep? How are you feeling? I'm curious. I'm just more curious than anything else. Last week, regardless, despite that and despite the, uh, you know, the the good morning routine and everything was a very tough week, a lot of challenges, a lot of stress and everything. And then, um, and this was exciting, but just, just unfortunate timing as far as having a, you know, a tough week and, and kind of needing the weekend. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired, <laughs> but this is exciting though. We, for Christmas in 2015, my parents gave us a gift to say, we will, um, you know, we'll, we'll redo, we'll update your outer bathroom. So the sink, counter, cabinet, mirror, light, that kind of thing. Not the shower, not the toilet. The sink, the counter was so freaking short. I mean, I've been calling it my hobbit sink, but please understand I'm six foot four. And in order to stand tall, you're supposed to have good posture. If I stood tall, I literally could not reach the sink. That's how short it was, how, how low to the ground it was. And apparently it was something like nine or 10 inches shorter than the standard bathroom height. <laughs> so yeah, that was, uh, that's always been a little challenging for me. I mean, honestly, it was easier for me to, I'm not kidding, get on my knees and wash my hands that way. That's how low it was. So we decided let's put it up to, uh, you know, like a kitchen standard height, maybe even a little bit taller the entire weekend. My parents are driving home literally as I speak right now. We, they just finished. Uh, I mean, they did most of the work. This was kind of their gift and everything. I tried to help as much as I could, but honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the difference between a hammer and a screwdriver. No, not really. I'm not that bad, but I, this just this kind of stuff. I just don't know what to do. I mean, I can build a computer. I understand, you know, audio editing, all kinds of little things like that, but, but trying to do home improvement is just not my gift. So yeah, they just finished and it is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I wonder if we should post pictures. What do you think? Would you like to see some pictures of the new bathroom? I wonder if we have a before and after, but man, the the before one, you know, it wasn't a bad bathroom. It was just really old and short and very unfunctional. And the new one is really nice. (laughs) So, 
Super, super excited. It's been, oh, it's been so great. Jason Van Orden. This guy I've known for a few years now. Great guy. As I mentioned, yes, he's a successful millionaire. Um, he's an entrepreneur. He's done so much, but he's part of the internet business mastery team. So you may or may not be familiar with that, but he's done a lot on the, uh, you know, on the, on the business side of things, a lot with podcasting. He's in the entrepreneurial world and also just a friend of mine. So I wanted to bring him on and let him share some of the most awesome insights that he's had, not only in business, but stuff that he's learned in life, the work-life balance sort of thing. He has a great lifestyle that he actually talks about because he works very hard, but he really, really puts so much emphasis and value on his family. And so it's really cool. And additionally, he is all about learning how to become the best you. And he talks about that, your authentic self. And so there's a lot of really cool things we're going to share uh, in this. And uh, one thing I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and put out now, do check this out. It will be in the show notes. Um, listen to our conversation first, but jasonvanordencom slash best self. It's a really cool little guide he's put together on how you can be the best self of whatever you are, whoever you are, and, and trying to understand your authentic best self. Jason, welcome to the real Brian show. And thank you for joining me, man. Good to, good to talk to you. Yeah. Hey, Brian, always a pleasure. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, of course. So we, uh, you know, we go way back, (laughs) (laughs) way back, back in the day, you know, it has been several years. We've been interacting now. That's incredible. I I jumped into internet business mastery. That was really good. That got, uh, that got me started on the business path when it came to podcasting and launching profit cast and being able to have an awesome run with that and gotten me to where I'm at today. So thank you. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm glad to have played whatever part in in that (laughs) journey. That's awesome. You know, it's amazing the things we learn, you know, I, I look back and in the middle of it, it's hard to see kind of what you're doing and where you're going and ah, what's the point or mm. why am I having these struggles and these failures, you know, right now. And then you look back over the years and you start to realize like, okay, this helped me to get here. This helped me to get here, you know, and, and you start to see this nice little pattern, almost a journey of if it weren't for these little pieces, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah, cool. I can totally, yeah. In hindsight, I, I see all those inflection points in my own journey and that's, that's just, yeah, it's often how it works. That's cool. First of all, yeah, you got you to share something about you that you've done that uh, most of us don't know because, you know, you're behind the mic a lot. People know you, and <laughs> but they may not know something about you, right? Something fun? There's a lot of little tidbits that people pick up if they have been listening to me or following me online for a while. I mean, things like, you know, I used to be in a rock band, was a would-be rock star, got a guitar, a, a degree in jazz guitar at the same time as my degree in engineering. Nice. That's how I met my wife. I was in a band. But that is something I, I do mention here and there. And I don't know, you probably have heard that before that yeah, I was I in a, a band and that's, you know, where my love for audio, which then transferred over to podcasting came from. Yeah. I mean, people know that a couple of years ago I, I lived in, in um, France with my family, which was a lifestyle goal that I had, at least if you've been following me. But, but what they might not know is I also lived there a couple of years back in the 90s as well. Mm-hmm. So I've spent three years of my life. Uh, living in Paris, France, and speak speak French quite well, so I'm told, you know, because I've spent a good deal of time in the country speaking it. Here's one other little did bit. I grew up in Alaska, and I have driven the Alcan Highway, the Alaska-Canada Highway, which is, oh, yeah. I don't know, it's about, I think, 3,000 miles. And it's, it's quite a drive. I mean, it would be almost like driving across the United States, essentially, to go, you know, f- say, from like Fairbanks in the interior of Alaska, where I, I grew up as a child, to the lower 48, as we call it, you know, it's quite an, you know, go through Yukon territory and through British Columbia and beautiful, beautiful country that you drive through very wildernessy. And sometimes <laughs> it could be a few hundred miles between big towns and stuff, but yeah. uh, that's something I've had the opportunity to do. And one time 
my family did it in a yellow school bus that we had bought. Oh, nice. Cleaned out all of the seats, you know, took them out, removed them. I don't know what my dad would did with the seats. I was maybe 12, 13 years old. And we filled that up with all our earthly possessions, made a little bit of a, like with the couches and a bed and stuff up front, you know, made a kind of a living room and a little loft bed. And um, that's one of the times that we moved out of Alaska. That's how we drove the Alcan Highway. Crazy little yeah. experience. I, I guess if you were ever playing that game, I don't remember what to call it. Like, you know, I have never or I have or whatever. And you try to like say things that other people oh, haven't. Yeah. yeah. It would be, I, well, I have driven the, you know, the, the Alaska Canada Highway in a yellow school bus. So there you go. <laughs> I think I saw that bus uh, recently. Oh, yeah. Somebody, somebody must have purchased off your dad. And yeah, no, it's funny because <laughs> we were up, at, you know, at the foot of Rocky Mountain National Park, and I saw a, a yellow school bus that had been converted into basically an RV of type. But I mean, it looked like something that had been around for a while. <laughs> so awesome! You, you got to wonder. <laughs> Maybe it's been passing around. Exactly. <laughs> but that's go. awesome. Well, which which part of Alaska? So when I was a child, like growing up through like elementary school and into middle school, I lived in, um, well, in the, just outside of Fairbanks, Alaska, which is like okay. the second biggest town in Alaska, which isn't saying much. I mean, it's our largest yeah. state, but there's only like half a million people in the entire state. It's crazy. And half of those people live in Anchorage, which is down farther south on, you know, on, the, on the coast. Yeah. So, you know, I, I lived outside actually in a tiny town called, believe it or not, called North Pole, Alaska. Oh, and I'm there is a, a Santa Claus house there. It's not in That's the awesome. North Pole. It's not even yeah. above the Arctic Circle. But, and then later on in high school, and then after I had left to college, my parents lived outside of Anchorage, uh, Alaska, which is, okay. is more mild. It still yeah. it gets pretty cold and dark in the winter, but yeah. it's definitely more mild. So both those places where I've spent a good deal of, of my life. That's cool. Yeah, I've actually heard of North Pole, Alaska. I've never been no there, kidding. but I've heard of it. Yeah. I, uh, well, we've been to Alaska quite a few times and one of my cousins now lives up in, uh, Ketchikan mm. and yeah, I've been to, I've been to Anchorage and Seward and then, you know, down Ketchikan and, and all those areas. But, um, you know, it was usually through cruises, but we were right. there quite a few times over the years just because we all loved Alaska and it's kind of where the family used to take vacations when I was in high school and college. And I actually did get to see the, the midnight sun in, in Anchorage and it's not, mm. I'm sure it's nothing like Fairbanks, but you know, it's one of those things where the sun comes down and then it just kind of glides across the horizon. So, you know, one 30 in the morning, the sun's up and that was, yeah. that was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. I mean, my wife and I, even in a couple of summers of our early adult married life went up there when my parents were still living up there, they've since retired and left, but we spent a couple of our summers there just cause it's so beautiful and gorgeous and like escape the oh, New York yeah. city heat. And so we just go and, and spend a couple months with my family up there in the summer. But yeah, it's, it's 1am, 2am, 3am and it's still relatively light. You feel very, very productive, but it's, it's an yeah. odd thing the first time you see it. I know. And then the winter is terrible. Oh, it's awful. I could never live there and again in the winter, never again in the winter. How many hours of light did you actually have in the winter on average? Well, yeah, I mean, in Fairbanks, it makes a big difference. Anchorage to Fairbanks. Fairbanks yeah. is about three hour drive north of Anchorage. And I, so in elementary school, I can remember in the dead of winter going there, you know, on the school bus, whatever it was like eight eight thirty in the morning. And it's, you know, totally pitch black still, you know, the middle of the day having resource recess and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's relatively light. It's not, it's not super light, not like broad daylight noonday way up in the sun because the sun doesn't go that high but yeah um and then by the time i leave you know get on the bus at 2 2 30 whatever it was it's dark again so <laughs> in the dead of winter you know around the solstice it, it can be like maybe four or five hours of light and that's it oh my gosh yeah it's pretty crazy i would think that that would cause a lot of emotional stress and trauma on a lot of people definitely issues of depression and alcoholism and stuff up wow. there and now we know a little bit more in terms of you can use daylight lamps and sure. you can take vitamin d and things that help stave that off but i would say that is that's for sure wow an issue for 
that, yeah, they yeah. have to be very aware of. I mean, even living in Portland, Oregon, which is a huge difference, you got to be aware of that because it's, you know, it's a little bit more northern and it's cloudy a lot, you know, so. Oh, totally. Well, I know even being in Colorado and we don't have that kind of problem, you know, we have normal daylight kind of stuff that most people do in the States, you know, but it's still, it's like in the winter, you really got to be careful because, you know, you will have a lot of those. Well, we have 300 days of sun in Colorado, so that's nice, but still you do have kind of the, the gray haze sort of days, you know what I mean? In the winter and you've got the dry brown and everything and it's, yeah, it does feel it's hard. I'm not as big of a fan of winter uh, unless it snows and then it's bright white. It's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I loved going to Alaska at Christmas time because it's like being in a snow globe, like everything's frosted and white and just gorgeous. And so I I still, I'm around Christmas time. I would, I would want to live there in the winter, but I don't mind like visiting when my parents were there at Christmas time because it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. But all right. So my goodness, you've, you've had quite the journey in business. I've had the privilege of hearing a little bit about your story, but I'd love for you to share a little bit too. But let's start off with the idea of, of kind of embracing your inner nerd. Like what have you nerded and geeked out about over the years that's led you to uh, where you're at today? I've always had a geekiness in me for sure. Like as far as, you know, loving technology, collecting comic books when I was a kid, loved superheroes. I mean, I spent lots of money as a kid in Alaska. I would stack wood for my parents. Like that was my chore. And then I'd get a couple dollars a week and I'd spend it all on comic books. So, but anyway, yeah, as far as like what's contributed today, I mean, it's um, interesting. I I definitely have, so I, I was a software engineer for three years. That's what my degree was in. So I spent five years to become a software engineer and spent three years as a software engineer before I was like, oh, get me out of here. The cubicle is not for me. And, um, you know, you, you know, some, some of that story of me escaping and, you know, figuring out some entrepreneurial things, which now I have done for about 13 years. Mm-hmm. And even though I don't write um, code anymore, you might think like, oh, well, then you had to think back on that, like five years of being this, uh, you know, techie, nerdy code writing uh, dude, and, you know, learning all this math and everything. And even though I don't like write code these days, I mean, look, like the, look at the world that we we live in. And I think it was even might have been Bill Gates. It sounds like the kind of thing Bill Gates would have said. It's like, you know, code is like the language of the present and the future now and yeah. that everybody should learn at least a little bit of it just to, because it's and that's the thing is like I can look back to when I was a child as young as like five or six years old in, in North Pole, Alaska. I remember plunking around in my parents Apple II Plus was the first computer we ever got. And my mom buying me this big spiral bound book called Basic Programming for Kids or something like that. (laughs) And, you know, writing little loops and go-to statements and that. And anyway, I say all that, but even though I don't write code today in my business, I see a lot of what I do as... First of all, there's plenty to debug in a business. Whether, I mean, and I'm not talking just in terms of like software and technology, but just... You know, sometimes it is like the the infrastructure of what you've put together, but like the systems that you've put together. Or why are things breaking down? Or hey, we've we've made some kind of course or experience for our customers and our clients, and uh, if something's not working quite the right way, meaning that people aren't getting the results that we had hoped. You know, that that's a debugging situation, and and I'm often the one to go in there and and look at the system and figure out well why is it not working? And I know that like any good coder learns also to streamline and write, you know, good code, clean code, meaning that, you know, the ideally code is something that another coder could look at and very quickly pick up on what's going on and be able to, you know, dive in and start modifying and building on it. And it's also, you know, like any good writing or any good, uh, 
you know, sales copy, you know, in my, as a marketer, sometimes I write emails that are meant to sell. It's, it's as long as it needs to be, but there's nothing extraneous in there. There's nothing in there that, you know, they refer to a code blow, but I guess you could call it like copy bloat or writing blow, or there's just like more. And so that's, that's a a skill set that I've carried through and that I can see all the way through my childhood of seeing systems and be able to break them into their fundamental pieces and improve them. And, and then also like people depend on me a lot to, whether it's to go into a system and debug it or like, here's this thing I want to do. And I, I don't know quite how to get from A to B. And then they, so they turn to me because for whatever reason, like I have this ability and I've just learned to embrace and leverage this in my business and my life in general to take in lots of information and again, see the most salient pieces and snap just, just the most important stuff, get rid of anything that's too extraneous and just snap the most important stuff together. I've come to think of myself as in a way as a connector and not mm-hmm. a necessarily yeah. just a connector of people, but that if, if I, let's say I meet somebody at a conference and you know, I'm a very curious person. I love asking people questions, even though I'm an introvert. When I do have the opportunity to meet people, I, I kind of kick in that part of myself. Ask, you know, kind of like you've been asking me questions here about, you know, whether it's about their life or what they're up to or what's, what drives them, what they're passionate about. And inevitably, if somebody shares with me a, a unfulfilled desire or a passion or a project or, yeah. or a pain or something, right away, my mind is going, oh, you need to meet so-and-so or hey, you should read oh, such and nice. such book. Or like just today, I, you know, threw a link to a client. It's like, oh, here's, here's this one webpage. You need to read this because it's going to give you exactly the template for that that challenge that you just shared with me on our, on our call today. And so it's, it's that like database of stuff that, you know, engages in and, and immediately when somebody like inputs a, a challenge and out the other end comes, here's the right resource or, or person, piece of information, tool, bit of knowledge, whatever, that's going to take you at least the next step, if not all the way to your goal. And that's what I love doing mm-hmm. in all the, whether I'm creating courses or experiences or doing one-on-one consulting in business or speaking live, like I'm, I'm leveraging that skill that I have in, in some ways. So I don't know, is that nerdy enough? Oh yeah, no, I love it. (laughs) You know, it's cool because I, I mean, granted I've had a a personal, whatever you want to call it, like a perspective basically on, on, uh, on seeing this firsthand, of course, but it is kind of neat to see a little bit more of the background on how you've you've taken sort of that, that coding side of things and uh, it, it's helped you to be able to deconstruct things and understand things. But I, you know, I, I do find it interesting because I actually do. I, I know very few introverted connectors. Like that's a very, I think a very rare thing. Most, most introverts are not great at connecting people at all. Um, usually that's a, a highly extroverted thing. So it's, it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about that because you know, you're right about that. You do connect people, you, you know, whether it's with a book or, or an actual person or anything, I think that's really neat and I like what you've been doing with that, but you do, you know, you do that well. And I think the idea of the alchemy, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, business right, alchemy, right. but the idea that understanding what people are wanting, whether it's a pain or an unfulfilled desire, and then uh, being able to help solve that or, or bring that fulfillment to them or whatever through whatever it is you're doing. But um, the idea of the alchemy is that, you know, a lot of times what we know seems so common sense but to someone else, it's, you know, revelationary. And, and I loved that. And I think it was that, I, I mean, I heard it from you first. So did you come up with that? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it, it is an analogy. It's possible. I mean, I've learned enough about creativity and information and input and output and all this stuff to know that like ideas all come from somewhere and it's, it's possible I might've picked that up. But I do remember 
one time when Jeremy and I, my, my business partner in the business that you're referring to, is was we were making a piece of content trying to explain the power that somebody has to make money from their knowledge, from their expertise in this yeah. day and age. And that was kind of one analogy that came up is that it was a bit like alchemy. And specifically, one of the the, the stories that I tell was how when my wife and I had our first child. And my mom came to visit, you know, sometimes family does to help out. And because of just being so busy and exhausted with uh, having a baby and being new parents, we just like in the kitchen, it seemed like there was nothing to eat. And here we're at home, like yeah. tired and exhausted, nothing to eat. And, you know, I would go into the kitchen and look through the cupboards and the fridge and be like, oh my gosh, there's nothing for us to eat and dinner's coming up. What are we going to do? And yet my mom has this unbelievable ability to like go in where there's seemingly nothing and, you know, take a bit of this out of the cupboard and that yeah. and this out of the fridge. And next thing you know, it's like we're eating this amazing vegetable soup or something, nice. right? <laughs> That's kind of where it is. Like, you know, it, and maybe she takes that for granted, but that was like a huge value there that she was creating from seemingly nothing. And, and it works the same way with our, I mean, look, we, we live in, it's a little bit cliche now and maybe even passe or old to say the information age, you know, that the internet has sparked. But we are in an age of, of knowledge workers where it's less about, turning out widgets and, and the factory model of, of the industrial age and more about, you know, now it is more and more intellectual property and ideas and knowledge that have a huge amount of value. Yeah. And the internet enables anybody to, you know, find a specific pain, problem, unfulfilled desire, whatever in the world and take, and, 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 a, and a person can act as a, a lens. I like the the analogy of like a lens through which, and your lens, you as a lens is made up of your your story, your background, your knowledge, your perspective on the world. Yeah. Um, it may seem you know a little bit trite, but we hey, we're all different, right? We all have a different way of being able to like look and see things, and and you know there's a huge amount of knowledge being created and proliferated throughout the world because of things like the internet. And I would say there's even more and more a need these days for for an individual who feels so compelled to step up and say, you know, what? I, I do have uh, expertise, knowledge, something interesting to say, a, a, a message, a method or whatever, you know, and to be what I call a self-made influencer or a self-made yeah. leader through the internet. And so that is a bit like alchemy. You know, the mm -hmm. first time I, I sold a product online that was nothing but me putting together a series of audios, a series, you know, a downloadable manual with, with knowledge that somebody could buy and go through that and solve a very specific problem that they had. It did feel like alchemy because an email showed up in my inbox. You've got money, $197. Nice. Total stranger, you know, not my mom or a friend or somebody that, you know, and not that there's anything wrong with selling through the people you know, but, you know, a total stranger that connected with me through the internet saw the value and exchanged money for the value. And the value was nothing but just me taking my knowledge and packaging it in a way that was useful and relevant and resonant with that person. And that does, I think, feel like alchemy because in the end, it's just putting together ones and zeros in a way that uh, somebody was willing to part with $197 for, right? this kind of goes back to the thing where you're saying that when we have this common knowledge or knowledge and, and, and experience that's common to us, that is. Um, but a lot of times, you know, I, I look at what do you nerd out about? Cause a lot of times when somebody actually identifies what that is, they start to go, man, you know what? I mean, I'm really good at this because I love it so much. I have a passion for it. You know, I've, I've dived deep into this, you know what I mean? And they have a tendency to either just sit on it, enjoy it, or they do something with it. Like in your case, 
which is when you said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to put this into something that somebody may actually find valuable and see what happens. I mean, you put it out there, you did your best, you're helping people and you're impacting them somehow, not just keeping the information to yourself or keeping whatever that is to yourself. So now you're, you're in the cubicle. You hate being in a cubicle, but starting a business, this is always the thing that I I don't tend to hear in interviews a lot. Um, you know, is was when you're in that starting process or in that growth process, you know, the frustrating part, (laughs) because Every time you do something, you know, that you're meant to do, it's it's never an easy path. It's always a good one. But talk a little bit about kind of the, you know, the struggles getting into that. I mean, were you doubting yourself as you were doing this or did things kind of just line up nicely for you? Oh, things never ni- line up nicely. <laughs> I mean, we, we wish they did, right? And that's why you just got to get started, right? Yeah. Um, the whole process of me going from, you know, increasingly disgruntled cubicle dweller to you know, somebody who's actually making a living as a business owner slash entrepreneur. Yeah. Right there. That was a three year or four year journey to get to that point. And there was a lot of interesting, you know, pivots and things that happened or, or points of, of discovery in that. Even to the point of like, at first I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm so like, just not happy. I mean, I even thought at one point about going back to school and getting another bachelor's degree um, and like natural resources or something to maybe go work for the park services. Cause I thought, well, I love going outdoors and I love teaching. And, uh, you know, my, my wife and I, in our first couple of years of marriage, were camping a lot and going to national parks. And I love going to like the little nature walks or whatever. I'm like, Hey, I could nice. have a lot of fun, like, te- but uh, you know, and that was me like now in hindsight, I can see that was the teacher in me that was looking yeah. for an outlet, which now I get to do through podcasting and digital courses online and consulting. I would have been miserable again. I would have been, you know, probably even worse working for the government and like yeah. a job paying even less than it was I was making as an engineer, right? So thank goodness I didn't go to that. But point being is like there was, you know, this whole process of discovery and thinking and looking at possibilities and just consuming information and, you know, reading books and going to a career library and taking all those assessments. And finally it was you know, the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that opened up to me the idea of like, well, you know, if you want more freedom in life and want to be able to actually have ability to build wealth, employee is not where it's at. You need to be an investor and or a business owner. Mm. And even then though, I'm like, okay, okay, that makes all kinds of sense. Like a light bulb goes off, but where from there, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, you know, not to go through like all the details of the story, but it was like, you know, I, I dabbled in real estate investing for a while and figured out that wasn't quite for me. But, you know, I learned a lot of things there. I learned a lot about marketing. I learned that I was good at marketing. I had friends that I was consulting and teaching about marketing. And it occurred to me, oh, maybe I could make money teaching people some of this other stuff as opposed to like doing Like I hated being on the phone with banks every day and trying to make deals. Like I hated that stuff. Yeah. But the point I'm trying to make here is like there was this unlayering of discovering my strengths and who I am and where I could create the best value in the world and find my most fulfill, find the most fulfillment um, and freedom in what I was, um, what I, I was doing. And even though those first couple steps were still not on the mark, they still led me in, in a certain direction. I mean, it, it was sure. through learning about real estate investing and taking courses on that, that all of a sudden this idea of information marketing is what it's called, you know, packaging your knowledge and selling it. Like that's how I was introduced to that. It was going to a seminar with a local investor who was just teaching us, okay, here's how I do it. Here's how I talk to the banks and here's how I put together my deals. And I was more interested, not in, I mean, sure. I was interested in what he was teaching me about putting the deals together. Cause I thought that's what I was going to do. But really in the end, I was more interested about, wow, here's this dude just showing up at the front of the room 
he has 50 people sitting down in this big room in a library that he's you know paid a fee to rent out and he's probably making like ten thousand dollars today for you know to teach us this stuff interesting you know and whether it's you know somebody sharing their expertise about parenting or about clean, healthy eating or about your golf game or whatever. Like we all have that knowledge, right? And so that's where like these light bulbs started going off and there was no way I was just going to sit at home, you know, trying to think my way out of the cubicle and not taking action and diving in, even if it wasn't the ideal direction, there was no way it's just going to at home, like do all this, you know, do all this research and have it go, oh, I need to be an information marketer, which means I probably should learn about internet marketing, which means, oh, you know, there's probably going to be this thing in the future with audio and series. And I don't know what that'll be called, maybe podcasting or something. Like, no, that was like a four or five year of like experimentation yeah. and and pivots and like, oh, okay, I learned a bit of something over here. Now let's, uh, let's take what I learned there and try the next thing or tweak it a little bit. And and so, you know, that's just kind of how this, this process unfolds that, you know, I really appreciate you, you sharing all that because I think that's, you, you don't hear that very often, you know, usually hear, okay, well I was here, you know, in the cubicle and, and then I started this and here I am, you know, and it's like, it's kind of cool to hear that it was years of process to understand it was pivoting. It was, you know, well, okay. You went into real estate investing, but then you realize that somehow in that time you're realizing that actually I just, I want to be teaching which is really interesting. I mean, that's, that's a cool right. thing. I was in a business for a while where I was, uh, uh, it was actually a network marketing business. This was years ago, but I was selling coffee and I, you know, I love coffee, passion for coffee. This was not the best fit, but it was, again, it's one of those things, just like you say, you got to get out and experiment. You got to see what you're doing the whole time. They had a podcast and, and actually it was a blog talk radio thing. So it wasn't even a podcast as more as it was a call in, you know? Right. And right. I remember sitting there going, listening to this dude, not caring what he was teaching, not caring about, you know, selling coffee, but he was explaining that he's sitting there in his home office and he's drinking coffee and he's getting behind the microphone. And I'm like, dude, that's what I want to do. I don't want to sell coffee nice. or teach. I yeah. want to just get behind the microphone and drink coffee, <laughs> <laughs> Nice. which, you know, yeah. that's the performer in me. But it's interesting when you start to realize little things like that through an experience, um, just like you were talking about. Now, I have to ask you, though, at what point in your life did you know you were a teacher? And, and that was like, I, I've got to pursue teaching. Well, so there's all these all these like clues along the way. When I was an undergrad, I, there was this one class that I took and it was an interesting class because it was kind of as half made up of engineers and half made up of musicians from the fine arts department. And it was like a music technology class. And the musicians were really struggling with the technology part and the technician, you know, the engineers were struggling with some of the musical concepts. Yeah. And the guy that I was in this class as a student and the guy that was teaching this class, like he's sitting there teaching and like I would sit there through the entire class and and just like compulsively in my mind going like, you know what, there's a, such a better way. I could just like sense that the, you know, the people over here are totally confused, have no idea what this guy's talking about. And in my mind, I'm I'm immediately kind of that debugging thing. In my mind, I'm constructing a better example and a better example, a better framework, a better model for teaching the concept so that people would get it. I'm like, oh, he's he's completely leaving something out here. Yeah. So that was one thing, right? And I, I realized, I mean, that was one thing that I did when I was uh, then later as a cubicle uh, employee that was miserable is I, I did look back on and I was like, when was I last really fulfilled in life? Hmm. And it was when I was in university. Now the immediate assumption that I made was like, well, and that's kind of, what I was like, well, maybe I need to go back to school. And I thought about the natural resources thing. And I thought about like, I took the test even to go get an MBA. Again, thankfully I didn't do that. I thought about getting a PhD to be a professor. Cause I was like, Oh, well, one of the things I miss is, is teaching people. That was really fun. And I miss like learning. And now I know that like novelty is a huge 
need for me. And I try to build in opportunities for my curiosity to be fed regularly in everything that I do, business and otherwise. Um, and, and, you know, college does that because you're exposed to so many ideas and interesting people in that kind of environment. Yeah. So that's useful to do. Sometimes to look backwards to those clues. But then, you know, another clue was when I was pursuing the real estate investing thing and I had friends, we'd have a little mastermind. We were all talking about, oh, here's how we're going to make this real estate thing work. And, you know, talk about our challenges and what was going well. And consistently a question coming up was, well, how do I find leads? You know, buyers and sellers, these deals, they require somebody to have a house that they're trying to get rid of and somebody who wants to buy the house and I'm trying to make money in between by putting the deal together. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm going, oh, well, I've been learning this direct marketing stuff just because I was interested in it. And, and part of that's related to me being in a band and trying to learn how to market my music. And so here I was sharing these tips constantly with my real estate investing friends and going, wow, I'm, I'm really enjoying that. You know, and so that kind of led me to doing a bit of live speaking and consulting, which led me to doing my very first seminar paid. Because again, I'd, I'd seen this guy do it and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And so I rented a room and I filled the room with 25 people, $200 each. And I, I made $5,000 for people to sit down mm -hmm. for eight hours wow. and listen to me just like lay it all out. Boom, here is all this stuff I know about direct marketing and, it, and specifically how it applies to what you are doing in real estate. And at the end of that, I was just like, oh my gosh. This is it. Like I got, forget about the real estate investing stuff. I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm a consultant. I'm an information marketer. Yeah. And you know, that led to looking at the internet and you know, I, I'd learned enough to know it's like, well, you do it once and make money off it over and over again. So I, I recorded that seminar and I had all the audios recorded and I had all my notes and everything I'd put together. And so now after I'd kind of sold it to my local network of people that, that had come to start looking to me for marketing insight, because I was constantly giving it freely and, and helping them. And so they're buying this program and then I kind of tapped that out. So it was like, okay, the internet, let's go to the internet and see if I can sell more of this. Cause you know, selling 50 of them is not going to be enough. So, you know, that's where I'm starting to learn about internet marketing and, and, and all of that. I mean, this is pre-social media, pre-podcasting, blogging's just starting to be a thing. I was hanging, basically hanging out a lot on forums and yeah and stuff to, to get people to know, kind of start to get to know me as, oh, this is a guy who knows what he's talking about when it comes to marketing for real estate investors. And that's where I got that first email, like I said, from a stranger for 197. He found me through a forum. Mm. Now, in all of that, podcasting shows up on my radar early 2005 in just an email newsletter that I happened to follow at the time. And I'm like, well, what is this podcasting thing? And I Googled it. And Google's like, you know, did you mean, Google's trying to correct me because Google doesn't know what podcasting mm -hmm. is. And I, you know, I come across a few geeky, this is very early. We're talking oh, yeah. around maybe six months. Yeah. A few geeky blog posts about RSS feeds and enclosure tags and MP3, this and that and the other. And, you know, stuff that thankfully because of my technology inner nerd background, my engineer, my, my audio background from being a, a music nerd. Yeah. And, and the teacher in me is like, latch, just latched onto it. I was like, <laughs> I was able to understand all this, not only understand it, but then start looking at the applications that it would start having over the next two or three years. That was a huge inflection point for me, but these are all pieces of me going, oh, this is what I need to be. It's not a professor where then I'm chasing tenure and ending up miserable again in academia. It's yeah, not, yeah. it's not the, the, the national parks, you know, ranger who's doing the nature walks. It's like, look, there, there is a way to have the freedom and the fulfillment and leverage my strengths and, 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 and the value that I can offer to the world. And so it was just this unlayering through taking steps, through experimenting, through trying things out and diving in along the way. And, um, and really, honestly, that, that process continues. It's not like I've magically arrived. Oh, at sure. like, now I've got it all figured out because, yeah. you know, the world changes, my needs change, the, my, you know, my, my strengths 
stay largely the same, but I think I learn and understand them better. I learn how to apply them better. I find new opportunities to apply them. Right now, podcasting is one of the big ways I do that. Mm-hmm. It may not be in five or 10 years. I don't know. But yeah, that's um, so true. You know, so anyway, that was kind of a long answer to like, but there's lots no, of clues that showed up throughout that, throughout all those experiences. No, I, you know, and I appreciate you sharing all that because I think it's very important to understand, you know, who, who we really are. I mean, you know, we, oh, I'll say this. You definitely are a phenomenal teacher. Uh, it's very apparent. I obviously got to experience that firsthand as well. And it's so funny because I think uh, I, I found myself trying to go down the teaching path as well. I've had a lot of those clues throughout the years that have shown that I am not a good teacher <laughs> and especially in comparison, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, and it's okay, right? You know, you have to understand your strengths, but it, it is an interesting process that you go through and you start to see clues and you start to realize, you know, I'm forcing this or, or maybe, yeah, maybe this isn't the right path or, or I need to kind of move towards where my strengths lie. Um, you know, I like how you uh, talked earlier about, assessments, you know, some kind of tests or assessments to understand your strengths, your personality, that kind of thing. Those are extremely helpful in understanding, you know, maybe where your talents lie. Um, and then kind of looking at the inner nerd side of things and saying, okay, well, why do I have so much passion over here and spend a lot of time in these areas? How can I tie these together? And then what can I do to, you know, impact those around me? And I love, I love that you talked about leverage. You got to, you have to remind me of those three things. I loved it. Leverage, uh, freedom. What was the other thing? Leverage my strengths and yes. have fulfillment, enjoy what I was doing and still have the freedom that I was yeah. looking for in life. Because some of those yeah. solutions, they would have leveraged my strengths. I could have been a professor. And what you know what? In some ways I would have loved, I still love it when I'm on a college campus and I just have that feeling of being around that. But I also know that I, you know, I'm not good in like a hierarchy and all. And so the whole like got to get tenure and got to pander to all the, like that would have freaking driven me up the wall. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean, it's the whole wisdom of know thyself, right? Yeah. And this is, you know, you, you've had experience with an internet business mastery. Something we, we teach is the single motivating purpose, which is partially is a piece of this unlayering of who you are, giving yourself yeah. permission to be that person and learning how to leverage that in a way that brings you freedom and fulfillment and happiness and delivers value to the world in the way that the world will pay you well to do that thing. I mean, isn't that, I mean, look, there's a problem oh, yeah. when the Gallup polls or whoever is saying like 70 to 80% of people are not engaged in their work in the world that yeah. they just don't care. And it's like that, that is sad, right? Yeah. So, you know, one of my favorite messages to share these days, actually taking things even further than that, so than that single motivating purpose. And it's a concept I call the authentic best self. Cause I started realizing like over the last, you know, seven or eight years of, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur. So really I've been doing this myself for 13 or 14 years, but kind of teaching some form of it for seven or eight years. I found lots of great tools and exercises and assessments and different things that people can tap into to start unlayering, you know, unlayering these things that we're talking about here. Start discovering. It's like, oh, you know what? I am happy when I teach or people do depend on me for X a lot. Or I do find that I'm in the flow easiest when I'm doing A, B, and C or this is one of the things I love like talking about and sharing are these tools for arriving at an increasingly better understanding of what I call your authentic best self so that then you can go and leverage that, not just in your vocation or your career or business or whatever, but really, I mean, these things should and do show up in every aspect of your life. I mean, I see them show up in the way I parent, I, in the way I, I connect with my friends. And I believe that the more we have that knowledge and apply it frequently in our lives, this knowledge of our authentic best selves, it just leads to more well-being and happiness and, and impact and contribution to the world as well. You know, I've talked about becoming the best you for a while now, and, and I found that there are actually quite a few people now that are starting to really push that a little bit. 
which is good. It, it's all coming from our, our own experiences and stuff. But I do find that, you know, going back to your statistic, about 70 to 80 percent of people are not engaged in their job scenarios. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing I've observed. Those are the statistics that I've read about as well, is that people are in uh, what I call basically autopilot. You know, the, the they're, in, they're living in the matrix, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, they're, they're in passive mode and it's not that they want to be there. It's just that they're checking out because they're bored, they're frustrated, you know, whatever, you name it. And they're not really truly being the best them. And I think that, um, you know, when I shared my story on the, on the show here, I, I was sharing that so many times in my life, people and society have tried to tell me what they think I should do or who I should be. Right. And, and I, of course I listened to it because I didn't know any better. And you know, well, these people are, are great people. You know, they have my best interests in mind, so they must be right. I found myself zigging, zag, zigging and zagging down this path, completely failing at every turn because I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know if I was like, well, do I like this or not? And well, I think I, I must have to like it. So I have, I'm going to force myself to, you know, I have a tendency to chameleon. It's easy for me to mm. chameleon to, to certain personalities or, or different interests and that kind of thing. And so I did find myself, you know, well, I, I can get into this for a while, but then after, after a while you start going like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And then you start to kind of step back and say, okay, who am I? <laughs> like, right. What am I supposed to be doing? And I took the strengths finder, for example. Well, hopefully, hopefully you step back and ask that question. And that's the problem is a lot of people don't. That's exactly. They, they, you know, they just continue to chameleon to the external expectations and they never do actually look inside and ask themselves the question. And I understand why. I mean, it's baked into our DNA, right? It's like, well, if I just stay one of the herd and look like the herd and do what the herd is doing, then I'll stay safe. You know, oh, I'm, I'm like everybody else. It's it's the tribal nature of yeah. our of our DNA. But in the modern world, you know, it has to be balanced. It has to be balanced. It, not only for your own happiness, but really, the world's just going to be a better, more interesting place. I think more people. I mean, sure, belonging is still an important need that we all have, but so is self actualization. So is you know that expression of of your own individuality and who you are, and you yeah. have a right to enjoy those things as well. Okay, let's explore this a little bit because you're right about that. And that's actually something that I was actually reflecting on the fact that, you know, I'm a huge, huge Star Trek nerd. Um, I know Star Trek, the next generation way too well. (laughs) Nice. I don't think I'm quite as big as you, but well, and you know, it's it's so funny that you mentioned that. If I can just as a quick aside, because I recently wrote a guide called Authentic Best Self that was basically pulling together the best tools that I have found for for unlayering these things, right? And the whole thing starts out with a Star Trek analogy. Nice. So it says, you know, it says like, okay, hey, I'm a big Star Trek fan. I I don't know that I call myself as Trekkie, but definitely for my mom, I watched a lot of Star Trek and I've seen all the movies like on opening weekend. Nice. And I said, whether you like Star Trek or not, you've likely seen them holding the device called the tricorder. It's that thing, you know, that, and they used it to go to unknown places and, and take in data about their immediate surroundings. And, you know, even for medical purposes, scan a person and see what, you know, what's wrong or what they need. And like, just take all this interesting data and navigate potentially treacherous, you know, situations and and uh, opportunities go, hey, should we go this way, go that way, whatever, right? The tricorder. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if you had a personal tricorder for your life? If yeah. you had a, you know, essentially like a device that's calibrated to you so that, you know, I mean, look, the, the reality of life is we will always have more opportunities and ideas and external pressures and expectations than we will ever be able to meet and take on and pursue. And so be, just because of the limitations of, of our, our, our energy and our time and our resources, you know, if the output is we're looking for the maximum well-being and contribution for our lives and in the world, wouldn't it be nice to have this tricorder that was, you know, 
calibrated to help you kind of as a compass or an input tool to go, oh, go this way. Hey, presented with this opportunity. Nope, say no. That doesn't meet the criteria. That's not going to leverage your strengths. That's, that's actually, it's been shown to frustrate you more than often to put yourself in that kind of a situation, right? And yeah. so this understanding of the authentic best self is, it's not a literal device, at least not yet, that we get to hold. But for me, authentic best self is a file of journal entries and assessment reports and, and lists and just things using these tools and exercises that I've made that I do refer back to regularly. You know, whenever I find myself frustrated, whenever I find myself uh, just overwhelmed with too many ideas, whenever I find myself facing like, oh, should I say yes or no to this opportunity? Or maybe I am getting an external expectation from somebody and I want to make sure I check in with and honor my own self and what I need. And I refer back to this information and maybe it's a past journal entry where I'm talking about, yeah, you know, I'm really in the flow when I this, this and this. And I go, yeah, you know what? I just need as much as it's hard to say no to people. I just really need to tell that person and draw a boundary and go, I'm sorry, but that I just can't or whatever. So, you know, it's, it is, you know, for the geeky nerdy person listening, it's, it's like having your own personal tricorder that, that guides and, and filters information and points you in the right direction and navigates uncertain territory and that's pretty freaking awesome, I think. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of how I think about it. I love that. No, I think that, you know, and you're right about that because there's so many things in there, uh, you know, like you talked about having those boundaries and being able to say yes to this and no to this. And, and that's a huge problem for so many people is, and even me, I mean, I, I have a really big struggle with saying no to people. You know, I, it's not that I necessarily want to please them, but it's because I go, well, this could be an opportunity, a good opportunity. Well, yeah, you know, and it, yeah, you can be overly, I, I, I'm the same way. You can be, yeah. sometimes you're just overly optimistic and you want to somehow magically do it all, right? Exactly. So, you know, like yeah. I should get together with this person or I should do this because yeah, and then you realize you're back to back all day long. <laughs> like, what right. am I doing? But right. I think part of it too is, uh, you know, really, as I've said, embracing your inner nerd, but it's also being able to be proud of who you really are. And, uh, and that's something that I found being a Star Trek fan, especially in the younger days that, you know, you couldn't admit that you'd get beat up, you get made fun of, you know, you get thrown uh, out. Interesting. Yeah. And so I, I, re- I mean, nowadays it's different, you know, it's cooler to, to be a nerd and that kind of thing too. But I think, you know, when you feel like you need to fit into another group, just because you, like you said, you want to fit into the herd, you don't want to be beat up. It's safe. And it is, yeah. it is safe to say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I love football when you're like, well, not really. I mean, I like basketball, but I don't like football. And nowadays, I'm I'm proud to say I don't like football. <laughs> it empowers, maybe even emboldens you and gives you, I, like, I love it when I hear, I hear people say like, you know what, all of a sudden I feel like I can give myself permission just to be myself. Totally. Right? Yeah. And how empowering is that? Oh my gosh. I think that's where it starts. So here's a simple exercise for okay. everyone. I like this. Actually, I don't know if everyone can do this, but I mean, look, because we, we betray ourselves in all kinds of little ways. And I think even paying attention to the little ways is where you start stepping into this more fully. So here's an exercise. And actually, you know, found myself hesitating to do this um, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Spotify has been around for a while now, right? And oh, you yeah. can connect Spotify with your Facebook account. And in fact, now I don't know if it's so much because I, I don't know that it pops up as much. So maybe this isn't a great example, but it might spark an idea in somebody's mind. A, a few years ago, when you connect with the Facebook account, um, it was more common that your listening habits would show up in Facebook. It's like every once in a while, like, oh, Jason listened to such and such album, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think now people actually have to dig to see that stuff. But still, like, if people are following me on Spotify, you know, it pops up on the right side, like, you know, and it's kind of cool. See what your friends are listening to. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Well, what if I'm listening to Katy Perry? <laughs> or Taylor Swift. Yeah. Now, look. No, I know, but this anybody is a great listening example. right now, I'm giving those examples. You're like, hey, what's wrong with Katy Perry and Taylor Swift? Yeah, Nothing. Yeah. I actually yeah. love both of their music, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Or whatever. Like, you know, and every once in a while, I'm like, oh, should I go into private mode so that nobody knows I'm listening <laughs> to a Justin Bieber song right now? And I try to catch yeah. myself and I go, you know what? 
I don't care. This is my taste. You walk out of a movie with friends and everyone's like, oh, hey, what did you think? And maybe most of your friends are going, oh, that was so cool. Like the explosions and blah, blah, blah. And maybe really inside you're wanting to go, you know, I really thought it sucked. Yeah. But just to be kind of, you're like, yeah, it was cool, you know, with your friends. But it's like, you know what? Maybe next time you can go like, hey, I'm glad you guys liked it, but I didn't, you know? And just like be, and that might seem like it doesn't make any difference just in that moment to like whatever and go with the grain and like, but- you know what? Why not? In one, so whether it's in your music taste, in your movie taste or something simple like that, there's an easy challenge in the next week to just honor yourself and be more authentic. And she was like, when you find yourself tempted to not say or not show or to mask or hide out of maybe some supposed shame, try just putting it out there and see how it feels to be, you know, 5% more more authentic to yourself. You know, I, I love that. And I'm laughing with you on this one because I've actually recently had that exact experience because I actually turned my feet off <laughs> for that exact reason because I was like, I don't want people. Well, it was funny because, um, uh, and I know Emily's listening because, uh, you know, she writes the blog post, but she, I did that. So, so my mix is very eclectic and you can actually see it because I've, I'm now putting it in the blog post. But at the time I had uh, a song by Lecrae, who's a rapper, and then in the next uh, the next field, it was Dido. And I, I love them both, right? I right. will listen to like hardcore gangsta style rap. And then uh-huh. I will switch over to like Dido. <laughs> yeah. like and, she, and so Emily's like, what? Rock and pop. And yeah, like, what the heck is this? You know? And, and I remember I was driving in the car. Anyway, I had the windows down and I was cranking a song. And this guy rolls up with his windows down and I changed it. <laughs> Because uh, I'm like, I don't want anybody to hear that. <laughs> and I'm going, oh my gosh, what is wrong? Who cares? But that is such a great exercise because it's, uh, yeah, people judge you, you know, based on those things. I hate to say it, yeah, but I, I really appreciate it's okay that. If they judge you because um, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like exactly. Who cares? It just doesn't matter. No, I know. There's a lot of other things to spend your energy on. And, and I think we spend a lot more energy masking little things like that. You know, and, and then hopefully the, the whole point here is that that leads to increasingly more honest self-expression, not just in communication, but in, in, you know, the decisions you make, maybe yeah. in, even in the job, like there's how many people are in a job because they're like, well, this is the one my parents would like, yeah. you know, or how many people choose to live somewhere. It's like, well, you know, yeah, my, my, my parents or my brother and sister would be really upset if I moved away. But what I'd really like to do is, you know, go live in Florida or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, so everything from like the small thing of masking what you're listening to. And then, you know, the hope is that eventually you might be like, you know what? I love you family, but I really want to move to Florida for Florida for these X reasons. And, and yeah. I will, I'll be back to visit you at the holidays, but this is what we're doing. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, you know, so like that's important. It's healthy. And not that I'm not saying you just like cut off and trample everybody else's needs, but you know what? Like when you, when you erode and don't honor your own stuff enough, it, it really does start taking uh, a toll. And at some point you are just living your life for other people, which is, would be a sad oh. thing. It is. It's sad. I, I see it all the time. And, you know, I, I actually talked to a person recently who was saying that, you know, I don't really care what people think. And in some way, obviously, that's very good. And that's exactly what we're talking about. But at the same time, I think, you know, this person was taking it as far as not respecting the other person, which I don't agree with. So I think that, you know, there is a level of respect. Uh, like you said, you're not trampling over people. You're not doing anything that's going to hurt them. But at the same time, yeah, don't care what people think as far as being authentic to yourself, which I think is huge. And I appreciate you sharing that because it's you know, you're right. We, you, the whole, we want to be long. And, and, and when you mentioned that it's safe, I think that was the thing that I went, ah, that's exactly what it is, you know, because in order to kind of be the best you in order to stand out or, or stand up for something or whatever, it's never safe. 
It's right. good, but it's never safe. And so it's easy to get hurt or get, you know, take a proverbial bullet for the other person. Take one for the mm. team sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not enough people in this world that are willing to do that. Uh, and right. I think it's because you're right. You want to belong. You want to be, you want to be safe. But I think people deep down want to. Otherwise, we wouldn't care about superhero shows and movies as much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, Tyrion Lannister wouldn't be the favorite character on Game of Thrones because he's the one. Now, I'm not saying, you know. <laughs> but the reason we like him so much is because he's the one that just says what everyone wants to be said. Yeah. Once yeah. They're like, oh, wow. He's the one that just like doesn't care. And he just like says the thing. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, you know, a part of us wishes maybe sometimes that we, well, even if it's not as biting or cutting as Tyrion might do part of us sometimes wishes that maybe our voice was a little bit more true or yeah or even heard in, in certain moments how would you encourage all of us you know the listener community etc how would you encourage us becoming your authentic best self like what what's the one piece of encouragement you give right now um well i mean if we just kind of go back to a couple of things that we said um i mean for one like just taking that small challenge of of being true to yourself, even if it's as simple as like stating your true opinion in a, in a situation where you might normally just be tempted to just keep quiet or go along with what's being said. That's a very simple one that people could do. But now to take it even further, I mean, we've, you know, we've talked about, I mean, I, I talked about thinking back in my life to when I was a kid or when I was, you know, the, the other times when I was most fulfilled and taking clues or hints from that, you know, spending a little time pondering that and maybe journaling about it, you know, and even if that's just bringing up an Evernote file or whatever and typing out uh, some thoughts of like, oh, you know, I really do like you and this and that and the other, you know, there's another simple exercise that you can do. You mentioned very briefly, and I think I, I cut you off, but Strengths Finder is is one assessment yeah. that can be very, very helpful. You go and buy the book Strengths Finder, whether that's on Amazon or or wherever your local bookseller, and you get a code to take a, an assessment. It takes about twenty minutes, gives your top five out of thirty um, strengths, and this is, I mean, this is backed by the Gallup organization. Very good research that goes along with it. It's been used in organizations and in management, all kinds of interesting stuff to really help people have peak happiness and performance within organizations and even just within your own life. It's very, very... So that would be a great yeah. way to start building your personal tricorder is go take the Strengths Finder. Uh, it's just concrete, quick, and, and then you're going to download these very customized results about here's where you thrive and maybe you should avoid these kinds of things in order to not uh, end up in, in frustration and, and dissonance in the things that you do. And then if, if people want more information, that guide that I talked about is free. That's at jasonvanorden.com forward slash best self. And you can get that download of the authentic best self guide with seven years of, and I'll, I keep updating that guide, but it's the seven years of the best stuff I've found to help you go in that direction of building your personal tricorder or your, you know, your file of authentic best self information. I love it. You know, I, and ironically, I've never, uh, I've never taken that, that uh, or I've never read through that guide and, and done that. If you can believe that. I, I heard about you doing it and for some reason I never <laughs> got it. So guess what I'm doing right after this? Nice. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got to read through it. I love it. I appreciate you sharing that stuff too. And, and StrengthsFinder was a huge, uh, I took it years ago, but it was a huge step forward for me in understanding my my strengths. But also I think too, it helped me to understand other people very well so that I knew how to relate to them, which was very helpful. I appreciate that. Well, Jason, thank you so much. Anything else you want to share as far as uh, contacting you or anything you want us to check out? Besides, no, the, I think that's it. If, if okay. you're interested in hearing, if you've enjoyed this conversation, which I have and found it insightful, check out the best self guide, the internet, or I'm sorry, I almost said my other business, <laughs> yeah. jasonvanorden.com forward slash best self. I love it. Jason, thank you so much for sharing everything and for your time today. I really appreciate it, man. 
Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Brian. Loved it. But do check it out. JasonVanOrden.com slash best self. Awesome stuff. And, and uh, you know, hey, he's doing some great things. I've signed up for his email list and he has a lot of wonderful things coming out. So Jason Van Orden, thank you. Thank you. So I shared that I was drinking this amazing tea, but I had to share another drink here because you know me. I like to share some fun foods and drinks and that kind of thing. Rosemary caramel latte. Man, this is local coffee shop does some great things. It is, uh, first of all, they, they make their own caramel from scratch there at the coffee shop. And it is a latte, of course, just a standard latte, but they they put rosemary. I mean, it's not actual rosemary pieces, but they actually infuse the caramel with rosemary. So it, it, it has a pretty, I wouldn't say it's strong by any means, but it's definitely there. You notice the rosemary. And it's interesting because anything that I've ever had rosemary in is a, a savory dish, something that, you know, like chicken or something like that. You know, you're, you're, you're not going to have it in something that's sweeter. So at first I'm going, I don't know about this, but I got to try it. You know what I mean? Come on. I got to try things like the ostrich, which I will be eating this week, by the way. Uh, I'm ready for that. We're going to make burgers out of that. So I'll talk about that later. But yeah, very, very interesting. Um, I I liked it a lot. You know, it's a a caramel latte. It's not that sweet, though. So it's, it's just the right amount of sweetness mixed with everything else. But that rosemary just it really actually pairs well. It's incredible. So I love trying these new little things and having fun. I don't know. You know, I hope you get a chance to try some cool stuff wherever you're at. I was in a part of the country. I'm not going to mention it because I don't, I don't want to, I'm not going to mention it. (laughs) And I mean, the only thing I could find there were sugary drinks, sodas and uh, Starbucks. So I'm thinking like, man, I now granted Starbucks just did a a unique drink I heard. um, And I can't remember what it's called now, but anyway, it was pretty good, but it's still too sweet. That's the thing. Like I feel like when I go to Starbucks nowadays, it's, it's sugar, it's flavored sugar. They didn't used to be like that. They used to actually have quite a bit of flavor and a lot of other things. And, and I still like Starbucks. And granted, I know it's corporate. And for those of you local people that are like all about local things, hey, I, I still like Starbucks. That was one of my first coffee experiences. And so, you know, it's got a, a, I don't know, call it nostalgia or something. But they're just too sweet for me nowadays. And so I go in for an espresso and cream and that's it if I go there. But I still like to try out some of their new drinks that they come up with. And I go, well, this doesn't really taste any different than what you're doing over here because it's just sugar. So, oh, well, but that's why I like some of these local shops that are actually going outside of the box and they're trying to trying new things like infusing caramel with actual rosemary. That's incredible. I love it. A couple of new TV shows that I'm, I'm watching right now is uh, now. Now, don't don't judge me here because I'm a friend. I'm a fan of this. Now, I grew up with the original Voltron as a kid. You Voltron fans, you know what I'm talking about. Netflix did a reboot of Voltron. It was just last year, right? I think it wasn't that long ago. And I thought it was fantastic. Season one was fantastic. They just released season two on Netflix. Granted, it's a cartoon, but I feel like as a, uh, you know, a child of the original Voltron, as a fan of that growing up with that and all that, I really feel like that this new Voltron is almost geared towards those of us who grew up with the original Voltron. Yeah, sure. Kids are going to enjoy it because it's a cartoon, but it doesn't feel as juvenile as the original Voltron did. (laughs) This one feels like it's sort of catering a little bit towards the adult's that grew up with the original. So it's fun. It's a good show. And then, of course, uh, Sherlock, the Benedict Cumberbatch, Martin Freeman. We are finally watching that for the very first time. And I know many of you had, and, and some of you have already told me that it's like the best show you've ever seen. And it's really, really well done. We've seen uh, two and a half episodes so far because, you know, each episode's an hour and a half. So <laughs> we've seen two and a half. Um, wow. Impressive. It's been fun. It reminds me. Now, I saw the two Sherlock Holmes movies with uh, Robert Downey Jr. And I actually liked both of those. And it does remind me of that flavor. And I know that they were right about the same time that they came out. But yeah, it's great. So those are the two shows that I've kind of experimented with recently. And then uh, (laughs) I have to laugh at this one. 
If you remember the original Xander Cage movie, Triple X, this came out, I think, in 2002. Totally cheesy movie. Um, it was funny because this was three years after The Matrix, and so they were definitely trying to have an element of The Matrix mixed with, I don't know, say like a James Bond kind of thing. And it, I remember in 2002 that it really was very Matrixy, but just didn't deliver. They were trying to be serious, but it was trying to be this awesome, you know, action movie, total guy flick, rock on, yeah. And, you know, it was fun. I liked it. I actually enjoyed the movie, but it wasn't excellent. Let's put it that way. Then they did a second one, like State of the Union or something like that. And that one was just bad. And I don't, I mean, I wished it were good, but it wasn't fantastic. So this... <laughs> This is why I'm laughing. We saw that there was going to be a triple X three return of Xander cage. And we laughed and we thought, okay, we got to see it just for the heck of it. I mean, come on. So the guys got together. We went to go see it. And I have to honestly say that I liked it. (laughs) It wasn't a beautifully fantastic movie or anything like that, but I really liked it. And here's why. And this is something that I, I, I found very interesting. They finally realized that they were a cheesy franchise and they embraced it and then capitalized on it. And I loved it because there were so many little things that they did in the movie that was like, Oh my gosh, that was so cheesy. And yet that's exactly what it was supposed to be. So because of that, it was like you're true to your element. And I really, really like that. It's sort of similar with, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, the saints row games. Well, I didn't play the first two games to be completely honest, but apparently the first two games were very much like a grand theft auto. And I haven't played the Grand Theft Auto games either. So uh, for those of you who played those games, apparently it's a lot like that. And everybody would just say, well, you know, it's just a Grand Theft Auto ripoff and it didn't really go anywhere. And then with Saints Row 3, they just said, you know, we're going to go crazy. We're going to embrace our cheesiness and, you know, we're going to capitalize on We're going to go to town. We're going to have a good time. And Saints Row 3 was just comedy. So it was kind of like a Grand Theft Auto, but not really. But it was a little bit more, you know, just flat out comedy and just stupidity and then saints row four even got worse it was but in a good way i actually really enjoyed that game it was a lot of fun so i like when people can say you know what let's not try to be so serious you know let's not try to capitalize on something that somebody else did like you know the matrix did extremely well with a very serious um industrial feel you know and that kind of thing and then xander cage tried to do that too they tried to copy them and then eventually they finally went nah let's just be hilarious let's just have a good time i like that going to see hidden figures this week so i will report back on that i've heard it's excellent from everybody i've talked to i've heard that they loved it and i always like to talk about music so i'm going to mention one here there's a group called elenium kind of like millennium but no m so elenium i have a couple of those songs on my spotify list i like them one's called uh, fortress though oh my gosh every time and by the way the uh i guess he's more of a instrumentalist and he brings in a lot of guest singers so johnny fatora is actually the singer on this one and i just i love that song (laughs) it's totally ethereal so uh, anyway beautiful things as promised i want to share with you the idea that i have for a slightly changed up format here for the real brian show elements of the real brian show are going to stay the same There are some things here that I just love doing. You know, I love having conversations and interviewing people like we did with Jason today. I love that. I love being able to share fun things like, you know, the food and the music and the TV shows and the movies and all, you know, little things like that. Just nerding out. I love that kind of stuff. And I love being able to share things that, you know, either I'm learning 
like the morning routine, you know, things like that that I can encourage you with. Um, pieces of wisdom that I learned from others I can pass on. Even addressing the social issues periodically. I love those things, you know. Um, and I love being able to just to have an anything goes kind of conversation. And I heard this. Somebody said uh, the best way that you can deliver in a podcast. I actually heard this just recently is to tell somebody what they're going to get and then deliver exactly what you said you were going to give them and then remind them what they actually got. And I thought, man, I don't think that way, <laughs> but I know a lot of people do. So in order to respect how other people think, I have an idea here and I really want your opinion. I want to make sure. Now, granted, I'm going to implement something a little bit differently anyway, just because I do actually have a feeling that this is going to work a lot better. But I still would love your opinion because, hey, this is a, this is a growing show. It matters how you respond to this and how you react to this. So here's what I'm thinking. We've been doing a weekly show and I just pump it all in there and it's an hour and a half long and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. What if. What if. I did a five day a week show, but they were shorter, shorter episodes. Now, I'm not going to be doing five days right this second. I'm going to start off with four because um, and I'll explain here in a second. So let's do this. Mondays. I come out with a five to maybe 20 minutes at the absolute max episode, probably more like five, 10 minutes. Not kidding about this. Get your week started right. So this is where the encouragement could come in. You know, I learned something like the morning routine. It's a piece of encouragement, a piece of wisdom, a shared experiment, you know, that I'm working on stuff like that. It's a solo show. It's just me. And it's literally five, 10, 15, absolutely no more than 20 minutes. You know, if I if I really need that much. But it's just, it's a little bit of dose of get your week started off right. You know, you're coming off the weekend. You may or may not be looking forward to the work week or the school week or whatever. Jump in, get a dose of encouragement, piece of advice, experiment to try, etc. It's just a good positive episode. Tuesdays, that's when I do my interviews. I also heard this piece of advice, you know, whether it's a podcast or a blog or a YouTube or whatever, but do something that you're passionate about. And that you're also curious about. And I thought, you know what? That's that's actually the advice I needed to hear right now because I love interviewing people. I love learning things from people. But I got to tell you that the one thing that I'm actually the most curious about right now, something that's actually baffled me and something that's that's frustrated me for a while now, and especially when I was doing ProfitCast, is finding out what is it? What is that one or two or three things that a person either is something about that person that defines them or that they actually did to set themselves apart and to be truly, truly successful. And I'm not even talking about just in business or money. That could be part of it. But what about like in life? You know, this person mastered a work-life balance or this person mastered their health or their marriage or whatever, right? Maybe they're like the world's greatest gamer you know, and they can get onto a game like Overwatch and dominate every single time because they did this. So it's things like that. It doesn't have to be one topic. It doesn't have to be just in business or anything like that. It's it's actual multi-topics across the board. But you see these people, they're successful. They do these things in life and you're going, okay, what did they do? And then they'll get on and they'll say, well, you know, I worked hard and, uh, you know, I built relationships and uh, I marketed myself and, you know, I just did that. They might have, don't get me wrong, they might have actually done that, but the reality is there are 10 other people who are doing the exact same thing. I'm working hard and I'm, I'm marketing myself and, you know, whatever. They're doing those same exact things, but that one person is successful and the other 10 aren't. So what's the difference? 
That's the thing I've always been curious about. How is it that somebody can succeed so well in something when everybody else struggles? And when I was doing ProfitCast, I would say, you know, how do you profit? How do you make money with your podcast? How do you grow your audience? And I got the same old advice from pretty much everybody I interviewed. And all of the advice is sound. It's good. It's everything else. But I still never found out what it was that would separate somebody from starting a podcast and having a couple hundred listeners and, you know, they were successful in their own right with the other person who, at least on the surface, both podcasters, they followed the same advice, they did the same amount of work, and they did the same stuff, right? And based on what people would, you know, share or say, it was the same thing. And yet one person would be over here with millions of listeners making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month where the other person who's apparently doing the same thing sounded as good. Maybe, maybe the person who wasn't as successful, maybe even they sounded better. And yet they only had a couple hundred listeners and you know, they weren't making any money or anything like that. What's the difference? So I want to figure this out. I mean, this is something I want to know. So I don't know if you're on the same page as me or not, but that is a passion that I have. That is definitely something I'm extremely curious about is what sets these people apart. I'm speaking for myself here. I can learn a lot from this. Like I said, in life, marriage, health, fun, business, whatever. I can learn so much from these people by knowing what these one, two, or three things that this person either is or that they did to set themselves apart and be extremely successful. I don't want more than three things. Now, granted, if somebody comes to me and says, yeah, but you ha- I have to give you five in order to see the whole picture, okay. But my goal is to get the top one, two, or three things. And I'm going to keep these interviews to 30 minutes maximum. I'll tell a little bit of their story in the beginning, and we're just going to jump right into it. We're going to dive into what that is. So that's Tuesdays, 30-minute episode there. Wednesdays, I get a chance to interview uh, the characters like I did with Yoda or Gollum and Dobby. For me, this is a fun thing to do. I hope you enjoy it too, but I want to continue to release those on Wednesdays. You know, we're talking like a five-ish minute episode, literally in and out with the character done. Thursdays, I have some ideas, but as of right now, I'm not going to implement a Thursday episode just due to one time and and lack of resources or lack of time, I guess I would say. And also, it's not 100% solidified yet. So once I solidify that, then I can add that, you know, as of course the resources come available. And then Fridays, that's where we do the Superhero Friday, Anything Goes Day. That's what I'm going to call it. I'm always going to have a guest or a friend on, and we're just going to talk about whatever we want. No agenda, no teaching, you know, just complete random trash the format kind of day. And we have to, by the way, we have to do this in one hour or less. Once the hour mark goes on, the music rolls regardless of whether we're done or not, period. So that way you will know every Friday you're going to have an hour of just whatever. It's going to be fun. That's where I'll probably talk about, you know, movies and TV shows and music and foods and all that good stuff. It'll just be a fun time with a friend, with a guest. And, you know, you might even be interested in being on the show with me. And this is just going to be a good time. Just a fun, fun way to end the week, relax and head into the weekend. It'll be a lot of fun. So that's my idea. I would love to hear back from you. Love to hear your thoughts, though, of course. And that's over at, uh, you can just email me, trb at realbryanshow.com. Or realbryanshow.com, of course, has all my contact info. But yeah, I'd love to hear from you on that one. I think it'd be fun. So I'm going to implement that as soon as possible. But of course, if you have uh, you know any very strong opinions on that, let me know ASAP. And I'll take those into consideration as I move forward. 
Well, this is highly appropriate that today I'm interviewing The Shadow. Now, obviously, you know, since my superhero name is The Shadow, well, I suppose some of you know this, but on Arrow Squad, I go by The Shadow, but I felt that it is only fitting to bring him on the show. So, The Shadow, welcome to The Real Brian Show. Am I in hell? Uh, no, you're, you're on The Real Brian Show. Dude, what is it with all this? Do you have any idea who you just kidnapped? Didn't my driver tell you that you were coming on the show when he picked you up? Excuse me? You consented to be on the show, The Shadow. Or should I just call you The? You know my real name. Well, of course I do. I, too, am The Shadow. Of sorts, that is. But, uh, you know, so we've got a little bit of a connection here, bro. No, we don't. Yeah, pretty sure we do. You are a barbarian. I could have sworn my lawyer got your consent to be on the show. The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Okay, well, I am excited to have you here on The Real Brian Show. I'm aware of that. Looks like you're a little frustrated to be here. My thoughts are hard to miss. Yeah, that's true. Psychically, I'm very well endowed. Well, would you consider yourself to be a superhero? Yes. Great. So where do you get your superhero outfit, uniform, whatever it's called? Brooks Brothers. Okay, well, that's good to know. I've always wondered what superheroes dream about. You know, we've never talked about that, and we never seem to actually see that. I dreamed I tore all the skin off my face and was somebody else underneath. Last night? Yes. Wow. The sun is shining. You know, it is. It's actually very beautiful outside today. But the ice is slippery. Well, yeah, that's for sure. It's been absolutely freaking freezing. Well, you know, okay, it's a little warmer today, but I got to tell you, it's been cold. We had an ice storm, and uh, I actually almost slipped on the ice the other day. So did I. Now, I've been wondering, what's the thing that you tell people when you save them? You know, everybody's got kind of that, what, superhero slogan? I've saved your life. It now belongs to me. Well, that's impressive. Uh, That's slavery, but okay. Couldn't that person just sort of disappear so that, you know, you can't own them? I'll know. Well, yeah, but how? (laughs) The shadow knows. Well, no, I know, but I mean, that that's kind of creepy, by the way, but... Do you understand? Well, yeah, but, I mean, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to tell them? Did you think you'd get away with it? <laughs> Did you think I wouldn't know? Wow, that's messed up. Well, thanks for joining me here on The Real Brian Show. From one shadow to another, it's been, uh, you know, educational. Hope to see you again sometime soon. I'll be there. Around every corner, in every empty room, as inevitable as your guilty conscience. Huh, well, you know what the music means. Uh, It's time to get out of here. Hey, thanks for joining me here on The Real Brian Show today. Hope you enjoyed the episode, got something out of it, and uh, hopefully got a lot out of it. We'll be back next week, as always, and uh, hopefully going to be starting up that new format here soon, so you know I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback on my thoughts on that new format. Get in touch with me, realbrianshow.com. Send me an email social media, whatever. I am The Real Brian signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.